We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. You say we are recording this episode on Wednesday, October 6th, following the Bears win over the Detroit Lions, uh, 24 to 14. I was at the game at Soldier Field. It was a really fun experience. Really good to have fans back uh, at stadiums. I, I will say, like Soldier Field was rocking this weekend. Getting to see Justin Fields throw some nice bombs and uh, showing out at different points throughout this game. Getting to see a good win. Uh, a nice bounce back game this weekend for the Bears. Uh, so that was really a fun experience. You saying how you doing today, man? I am doing well. Excited for some of the news that came out. Excited to go ahead and recap that um, Bears game on Sunday. But then also just really excited to go ahead and talk, get back to talking college football because it's been a while for us. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've been um, you know covering a lot more of Bears previews and, and uh recaps over the past couple of weeks with Zach uh, having his child um, and you know that now that him and Aaron are going to be back uh, on the regular circuit for the regular Bear Report podcast uh, we're going to be talking more college football uh, and getting back to really normally what we've been doing over the past really the first few weeks of the college football season um, but before we get to some of the college football talk today which I want to get to uh, in a little bit here we are going to talk about this Bears game a little bit because like you said you said uh, there was some significant uh, news servicing today from the Bears. And that's the fact that Justin Fields, after getting his second start uh, and first win as an NFL quarterback against the Lions this past Sunday, uh, is now officially the starter and it's no longer Andy Dalton's job anymore. Justin Fields is quarterback one. You say, what what are your first thoughts and reactions to that news right there? Well, I mean, it's certainly not surprising at all, considering this is what we've been talking about. And when I say we, I just mean 
all of us here at the Bear Report between myself, you, Zach, Aaron, and then just the Bears fan base in general. It seems like every Bears media outlet out there has finally gotten the big question answered of when is Justin Fields going to be named the starting quarterback? This is something that we should have seen coming weeks and weeks ago. You go back to week two against Cincinnati, Andy Dalton injures his knee on that play. And then in the coming days there, there's some speculation about, okay, is Andy Dalton done for this season? And then you get the report of, no, it's not an ACL tear. He's not done for this season. Then you get the report of, okay, he could miss five to six weeks. All of a sudden, the week before the Lions game, which was this past week, you see Andy Dalton kind of on the practice report, on the injury report. So he's practicing. He's there. He's not really there. And then Sunday, Justin's performance against the Lions pretty much solidified it, that the Bears ran an offense that was catered to Justin Fields' skill set. And essentially, you saw the entire offense take off. So really what happened is Justin's strong performance is what put this – move over the edge in terms of, hey, we're finally ready to move forward with Justin as their starting quarterback. Well, Matt, now you said it early on in the process here when, you know, when the Justin Fields made it known that he was ready, they were going to know. And I, and I think this performance because the Lions, is, they, they finally realized that, hey, Justin Fields, he's ready to go. Let's not, you know, go back and forth with Andy Dolan on this. Let's get him out there and let's just turn the page and get to him as a starting quarterback because Justin Fields, uh, he showcased on Sunday that, you know, he just has arm talent and playmaking ability and the ability to make explosive plays down the field in particular that Andy Dalton just cannot do at the stage of his career. And we saw improvements, I thought, from Justin Fields in terms of, you know, that Cleveland game. It, it was rough. You know, Justin Fields did not play well in that game against the Browns. And he, I thought he showed significant progress in this Lions game, you know, recognizing blitzes, uh, you know, being able to protect himself within the pocket, knowing when and how to scramble uh, when a play broke down, and then the accuracy and attacking down the field. And give credit to Bill Lazor, who um, is unofficially the play caller now, even though, you know, Matt Nagy hasn't come out. I don't think he's come out and quite said it, like, uh, officially that Bill Lazor's the play caller, but, I mean, he's definitely the play caller at right now going forward because, I mean, we saw the game plan was – it was definitely a lot more closer to uh, what we saw from late last year when Bill Lazor was calling the plays where it was a lot of under center play action, um, trying to get deep crossers over the top off of play action and, and trying to attack down the field that way. Um, and a lot less of, you know, shotgun Andy Reid style spread coast offense that Matt Nagy loves. So um, I, it was definitely more of a place. It was definitely a Bill Lazor offense on Sunday. And I thought, you know, it fit Justin Fields really well. We saw him, have time, you know, the Bears, uh, they did a really nice job of manufacturing clean pockets to help their offensive line um, and get in positions where he had time to scan the field, make his reads, and then fire the ball down the field. And um, I think this is something where, you know, it, it's a situation to where, you know, the Bears, they had their best game on offense of the year this past Sunday. You know, why mess up with that progress right there and go back to any Dolan who isn't even 100% healthy yet. I would assume at this point with that knee, with that knee bone bruise that he's got going on, like why mess with that progress? You have momentum going with your rookie quarterback. It's time. And I, and I think uh, this is the perfect opportunity for Matt Nagy to get to Justin Fields here. And, you know, we're going to see how it goes because it, this is really exciting because uh, Justin Fields, he looked good this past Sunday and we'll see if he can build off of that. Yeah. And building off, it's going to be key here because, 
we have to keep something in mind is that the Bears offense really needs to find an identity. I mean, everyone talks about the identity being run first. It can be run first under David Montgomery. Well, guess what? The problem is this, is that the best identities in the NFL are not necessarily created especially on the offensive side of the ball. They're not created around the running backs or the wide receivers. It all goes back to the most important position in sports. It's the quarterback position. If we look at a team like the Ravens, let's say, are the Ravens run heavy? Yeah, absolutely. But their entire identity and running scheme also revolves around who their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, same thing with the chiefs. I mean, prior to Patrick Mahomes, landing in Kansas city and then basically sitting his entire rookie season, what was happening? Well, the chiefs ran a pretty balanced offense. And now all of a sudden you look at it and they've really developed into perhaps the best pass first team in the NFL. And that's become their identity. And so what the bears need to do is they need to figure out that identity, but they need to be consistently good as well. And with Dave Montgomery being out for the next couple of weeks due to an MCL sprain, you do have to wonder, hey, are we going to see a bit more of the Bears deciding to go ahead and go run first a bit, but then as the season goes on, as the season progresses, say, hey, you know what, let's go ahead and let's go pass first a bit more because we certainly know Justin can hit these throws. Yeah, absolutely. And they were, and they were pretty conservative in this game. They were definitely more of a run first team in this game against the Lions. You know, Justin Fields only threw the ball 17 times he had 20 total dropbacks in this game so definitely more of a conservative approach but you know one step that I did like from this game that I thought was very uh very interesting and very telling of the way that uh this season has gone for the Bears uh the Bears had four explosive plays in this game they've had six all season four of them from Justin Fields throwing the ball down the field he had that one uh that, a couple passes to Darnell Mooney uh that one of the first drive where Justin Fields you know a little bit off on the accuracy. Darnell Mooney made an incredible play to catch that ball in the crossing route off the play action. And then the second drive of the game, that that out and up that Darnell Mooney ran, um, Justin Fields threw a beautiful, perfect ball on that on that one. Um, you know, just bring that explosive element to the offense once again. And then a couple of nice plays to Allen Robinson as well. I mean, Allen Robinson had that really beautiful catch on the sideline, and Justin Fields made a heck of a throw on that play. So you talk about building identity and what they want to do here. I think they got to just continue to build off of what they have here with that that play action game trying to keep Justin Fields clean trying to attack down the field in this passing game and then hopefully you know even though David Montgomery is going to be out for a little bit uh, you can still build a good running game around what you have with Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert at running back you know Justin Fields can help out in the running game as well um, there are some different creative things that they can do in this offense I think to uh, use Justin Fields talents to its fullest and we'll just see what they do here because, you know, Bill Lazor, I'd assume that he's going to be the play caller going forward, assuming that, you know, Matt Nagy doesn't, you know, bring in the reins once again and try to take control of play calling once again. Um, but I'm really curious to see how they develop this offense moving forward. And it's just a matter of, you know, how this thing develops in the upcoming weeks, starting with this game against the Raiders. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, you said. That's enough talk about the Bears for now as we have some college football to talk about here. Uh, We haven't talked about a lot of college football in a couple of weeks here, but uh, certainly some interesting storylines as we approach really the midway point of the college football season and I think we're getting to the point now you say where we have a good idea of you know who is rising in this draft process here uh, midway through the season about and who is seeing their stock dip a little bit here so what we're going to be doing here for this episode today is going over our biggest surprise biggest riser um, in the draft process so far for this season going into 2022 NFL uh, NFL draft uh, our biggest disappointment this year in terms of the college football season, it can be a player, it can be uh, a position group, it can be a team, whatever you want to do there. The biggest letdown this year. And then finally, who is our Heisman favorite uh, so far in this college football season? You say it, I'll start with you with your biggest surprise, biggest riser here. Uh, who is that player for you so far in this college football season? Yeah, surprisingly, it's an offensive lineman that a lot of people have been talking about. And let me just take a step back and say this. I think that Early returns on the class of 22 are not that great, okay? We thought that Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler were going to be some of the top quarterback prospects. Well, those guys have struggled. There really hasn't been that blue-chip prospect that's emerged at the cornerback position. There are a couple, but guys that are going to be first-round picks like Derek Singley Jr. from LSU, Andrew Booth, but you don't hear anyone talking about those guys in the same fashion that we've seen cornerbacks we talked about in 2020 as well as in 2021 you look at the offensive line okay so we know Evan Neal from Alabama is one of the top prospects you look at the interior offensive line the clear-cut name is Tyler Linderbaum I think every time you watch Iowa Tyler Linderbaum's one the one player that really sticks out on tape I know that the Bears love their Iowa players but irrespective of the Bears we have to understand something is that Linderbaum is really a really smart and extensive center. You show that you see the power show up. You just see that every single play, he knows what's going on. I think that when we talk about the center, essentially being the quarterback of the offensive line, making the calls that are needed, all right, identifying what the defensive line is up to. Linderbaum's way ahead of where he needs to be in terms of being able to communicate with the quarterback as well as the rest of the O-line. And then you factor this in. I think that right now, we're looking at him as possibly rising up all the way to being the first interior offensive lineman taken off the board. But I also think when you look at the talent that's come out of Iowa over the last couple of years at the offensive line position. So there's been names like James Daniels, Brandon Sheriff. I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. I do think Linderbaum is probably the best Iowa offensive lineman to come out since Brandon Sheriff in 2015. Yeah, Leonard Bob's an awesome prospect in center position. And Iowa, they do a really good job of developing their offensive linemen over there. And uh, Kirk Ferentz, the, the head coach, the guy running the main show for Iowa over there, I mean, he just knows how to identify and develop offensive linemen. I mean, we know what he's done. You know, he had that famous quote about James Daniels where he thought James Daniels was the best center prospect he ever coached. And 
I have to disagree with him because Linderbaum might be that guy for me as well. Because Linderbaum, uh, he is just an awesome prospect. Uh, you know, not, not only does he have the mobility and athleticism to run that outside zone, wide zone type of scheme that not only Iowa loves to run quite a bit, but the Bears are starting to implement that even more and more into their scheme uh, with the wide zone running scheme and, and play action off of that. Uh, but, he, but he has impressive power and ability to finish as well on the move. And he, he's, he's technically sound. He knows how to use positioning to his advantage. He knows how to use leverage to his advantage. He's just, in a, he's just an outstanding uh, center prospect. And I think if he would have gone into the draft last year, which he had the opportunity to do, um, I thought he would have been an easy day to pick. Um, now it's looking like he might be a first round pick and, and it, he's really impressive and we'll see how he develops going forward here in this Iowa offensive line. Because again, like I said, they do a great job at Iowa developing these guys and Linderbaum might be one of the best of the bunch here with how he's played so far this season. As far as my guy, my biggest surprise this year, it's gotta be a quarterback here. And we talked about this quarterback class, not being, um, as impressive, especially when compared to last year, which was just an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position, especially in that top five, uh, really the top four, especially when you talk about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance, and of course, Mac Jones eventually was a high riser, uh, riser late in the prospect going into process, going to the first round to the, to the Patriots at 15. Uh, but one player, and we see this every single year, whether it be Joe Burrow in 2020 and the 2020 draft process or uh, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones last year. There's always a quarterback who um, is a little bit flying under the radar going into the year, but always skyrockets. You know, his stock skyrockets going into the in the season before he gets drafted, and he just has a big year going into his final year before he declares for the draft. And that quarterback this year so far has been, at least for me so far, has been Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. You know, Kenny Pickett, a very first of all, a very unfortunate name to have to be a quarterback. Um, first of all. Um, but Kenny Pickett's been a guy that's been around in the ACC at Pittsburgh for a long time. Uh, you know, he was starting at Pittsburgh or not starting at Pittsburgh, but uh, he had a couple of games at Pittsburgh is, as a freshman. He's starting in, as a freshman in 2017. And now he's going into his fifth year as a starter here in 2021. So he's been at Pittsburgh for a long, long time. And he's someone that's always had the tools to be successful um, but has never quite put it together. You know, talk about the tools, you know, he has a good arm, uh, good build, good mobility um, and good ability to make plays off script. Uh, and we see, you know, the toughness and the playmaking ability. And he's got a lot of experience here. You know, he's thrown a lot of balls, a lot of passes throughout the course of his collegiate career. Um, he started over, we look at this here, 39, 44 games uh, in his college career so far. So, I mean, that's way more experience than, most other college quarterbacks are going to have. And, you know, the problem for him though, has been consistency throughout his career. And, you know, one of the things we were looking forward to seeing was going into this season was, you know, he has all this talent. He has all these tools to work with, but can he finally put it together? And yeah, he's putting it together this year, you know, already through five games. Uh, he has a, he's already had a career high in, in completion percentage, completing 72% of his passes his previous career high was 61.6% back in 2019. So a huge jump from that number. Uh, he's already has a career high in yards per game uh, with 1,731 total yards thrown already through five games. Uh, a whopping 10.3 yards per attempt. His previous career high was 7.3 a year prior. Um, you know, really 7.7 .7 as a freshman, but only four games and 66 attempts. So not a large sample size. But in terms of, you know, when he was a full-time starter for the majority of the season, um, just a huge jump, three yards per attempt, basically, 
was the jump there. And then here's the most important thing here. The touchdown interception ratio, you know, it's been the, the highest touchdowns he's had in his college career. was 13 in back-to-back seasons from 2019 to 2020 this year. He's already got 19, but here's the kicker, only one interception. So, you know, we talk about the consistency and being more consistent play to play. Kenny Pickett has been, has been able to maintain those big plays and the ability to extend and uh, make those flashy plays throughout the course of a game and show off the traits that, you know, have a lot of scouts intrigued about his potential going forward here, but he's been able to limit his mistakes and, you know, stay the course on being a more consistent quarterback here. And that goes, and that bodes well for his future and his prospects here in this draft process, because, you know, this quarterback class, it's, it's up for grabs in terms of who's going to be that top guy and who's going to be going in the first round when their names are called next spring and next April. And if Kenny Pickett can continue to, play like this going forward i mean this guy's the limit here he, he could very well work his way into the first round i think yeah kenny pickett's a really intriguing name and i just want to make a quick note here i mean look we're sitting here recording this on wednesday october 6th one of the major things to note here is that this isn't even the official start of draft season we're not even like 10 or 20 percent of the way into the process we're really going to accelerate the process in the spring with the East West Shrine Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl, going to see these guys come in for top 30 visits, all that kind of stuff, the NFL scouting combine. But Kenny Pickett, I think, is such an interesting evaluation because you're right, you do see so much there that does lead you to believe. And then also brings in the question of, hey, why are we not talking about Kenny Pickett more in a year where there's so much uncertainty at the quarterback position? And this isn't to say Kenny Pickett's going to rise all the way to a first-round pick by any means but he's certainly i think a dark horse sleeper right now to keep an eye on just six or seven weeks into the college football season because it's like i said a couple minutes ago when i broke down the 2022 class i mean yeah your top two quarterbacks that were expected to be top two guys in this class have faltered really hard which has just really left the door open for pretty much anyone to come in and basically claim the title of QB one. And so Kenny Pickett, I think is going to be one name to keep an eye on consistently throughout the season, because looking at Pitt's schedule, I mean, there's a couple intriguing teams on there. I think that if Pickett shows out against those guys, you're going to see him be a name that ends up being on more people's radars. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like I re- like I said before, I'm going to re- reiterate here, this quarterback class, there is just, there's just so many question marks about, you know, who's going to step up and be that guy in this class here. And, you know, again, a lot of the hype was going to Sam Howell and, and Rattler, Carson Strong even, and, and Malik Willis earlier on going into the season in the process. You know, I'm not sure if Kenny Pickett will surpass those guys in the order necessarily, but I think he's definitely going to be – if he plays like this moving forward, he's going to find his way in the conversation. And, and that's a huge step forward for a guy that, you know, especially for me – wasn't too much on my radar as a legitimate high-end quarterback prospect going into this uh, process here this year, but he's, he's impressed me quite a bit so far. Um, But speaking of someone, you know, impressing and not impressing here, uh, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum here. You say in terms of, you know, talk about our biggest surprise, who, what has been your biggest letdown so far in this college football season? Again, like I have a player here in mind that I want to talk about soon, but um you know, it sounds like you have a team that you want to talk about here because this team has a lot of issues going forward. 
Yeah, well, I think the biggest disappointment throughout college football this year certainly has been Clemson. I mean, you're talking about a team that really stumbled out of the gates when you look at the schedule the first couple weeks. Okay, so you lose to Georgia. Well, that I understand because you're playing against what a lot of people consider to be the best defense in the country. You no longer have your generational prospect under center taking snaps for you and Trevor Lawrence. Instead, that guy this year is DJ Ugalele. You lost your running back in Travis Etienne, longtime running back who's a staple of your offense. Then you also lost offensive tackle Jackson Carmen, too, who was a multi-year starter. Looking at some of the skill positions, so they have Justin Ross, who had the one critical error. I believe it was against North Carolina State, where he just absolutely drop the perfectly placed pass. All right. But the Bengals have also lost some other talent to the NFL over the last couple of years. I mean, both on the offense, on the defensive side of the ball too. But I think the offensive regression here from Clemson is just so much more significant because what have they done? Okay. So they put up 49 points against South Carolina state, barely scraped by Georgia tech, and then beat Boston college by just six points. So really Clemson is a struggle and a train wreck that nobody saw coming. Now looking at the next basically couple weeks here. Okay. So you have Syracuse on the schedule. I think it's a really winnable game. You have Pittsburgh on the schedule. It is a really winnable game. Is there a chance for Dabo Sweeney's crew to climb back into the college football playoff? Yeah. But then you're looking at two things here. I think number one, they are going to have to finish with a perfect season. And then number two, they might just need some help. And, when I say finish with a perfect season, I mean, hey, that means that you're going to have to beat Florida State, Louisville, UConn, Wake Forest, and then South Carolina again, too. So ultimately, Clemson right now, I think, is struggling. They're struggling hard. DJ Ugalele's inconsistency is part of that. But also, they did lose a lot of talent over the last two seasons to the NFL. The coaching staff just unfortunately hasn't cleaned it up yet, and they need to get it figured out quick because the season's progressing quickly, and the last thing that you want to happen is you're in desperation mode, and Dabo Sweeney's never going to wave the white flag, but you're in desperation mode, and now what's going to happen is you're going to see desperation kick in, and then there's also going to be urgency. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, certainly it's really odd to see Clemson uh, be in this type of state because they've been such a, ever since Deshaun Watson was there, at Clemson, they've been a powerhouse. They had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence back to back, not back to back, but essentially back to back. And um, this is not the same program um, that 
you know, that, that was in the college football playoff every single year and, and dominating teams throughout the regular season. We're not seeing that this year. And it, and it does start with the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, like, like you said, they've lost a lot of talent over the past few years. And really it starts with Trevor Lawrence, you know, going from Trevor Lawrence, you got a DJ, DJ Ugalele, um, who doesn't have the type of experience and isn't quite that level of a, of a prospect that let's be clear there. Um, you know, that, that's going to be something that hurts you a little bit, but you know, what really hurts them right now is, you know, Clemson, you talk about Jackson Carmen losing him a long time star on that offensive line for them. You know, Clemson's never been really great at, you know, recruiting and developing offensive line talent. They've always had uh, really for a, a team that's always in the national championship conversation every single year, they've always had pretty below average offensive line talent to work with here. And we're starting to see that again this year. I mean, against Georgia, Georgia just absolutely kicked their ass up front. And that's what really decided that game. You know, one, that Georgia defense is phenomenal, by the way. Um, they just have a ton of talent on that unit right there. But, you know, it, it, it really brings up, up the, you know, the whole storyline of this season in college football where you have Alabama, you have Georgia. But after that, this entire college football landscape is just wide open. There are so many teams. You know, we talk about Iowa. You know, they're a team that's been – um, you know, moving up in the ranks, Oregon was up at number three earlier. They lost, or I, I don't know if they lost, but you know, or, Oregon was a team that was already up to number three, Ohio state. They got beat by Oregon. Um, you know, Oklahoma has been struggling and up and down uh, early on in this season right away. So like Clemson, it's right there for them. If they would, you know, if they were to put it together here, but it, it's not looking like that. This offense, there's so many things wrong with it. Um, from a schematic standpoint, from a talent standpoint, you know, they don't have the wide receiver talent first, you know, that they've had over the years where, you know, they lost T Higgins to the draft, you know, Justin Ross coming off of that injury, um, you know, hasn't quite been the same guy that he was before uh, he was dealing with that injury. So there's just a lot going on in Clemson right now and we'll see if they figure out, but it's looking like, you know, they're not going to figure out this year and it's going to look like, you know, this is going to be an important year for some of their younger guys to develop and hopefully, they can get together next year uh, where some guys have more experience and they can be ready to go. Uh, in terms of my biggest letdown, this is a player who it's not that he's necessarily been bad uh, in my opinion, but hasn't taken the step forward that I thought he would going into this year. And that, and that's Desmond Ritter quarterback for Cincinnati. You know, he's going to his fourth year as a starter for Cincinnati and Cincinnati. They've been a really good team uh, so far this year. A uh, really good team. Uh, but Desmond Ritter, you look at his numbers here, they look good. You know, 63% completion percentage, uh, over 1,000 yards passing, you know, setting a career high in, not, in yards per attempt at 9.1 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, career high in college football's passer rating. So statistically-wise, Desmond Ritter looks good. And, you know, he's doing some things where you see some of the traits that had him as an intriguing prospect last year as well, well where you see the athleticism, you see – that he has a pretty good arm in terms of the arm strength and uh, just overall arm talent. Um, you know, he's got solid size. You know, he's got a little bit more of a slender frame. He's got pretty good size. And he's, again, good athletes kind of combine with that. But, you know, I haven't seen the step forward in terms of the accuracy and the ability to process and go through defense at an efficient rate. And especially the accuracy, that's been a really uh, problematic for him. Uh, you know, that was his big flaw, you know, last year when I, when I was scouting him, because I thought he was going to go into the draft last year. And I thought he would have been an intriguing option for the bears to take uh, maybe in the third or fourth round. Um, if he would have entered that draft, he ended up not doing that and going back to school because I, I think that was a good decision for him to kind of work on some things. 
uh, going into this draft in 2022. With that said, I don't think he's made the necessary improvements in accuracy that he needed to. And that's might be something that hurts him because again, I thought he was somebody that uh, could be a potential sleeper in this class to, you know, shoot up the draft board a little bit and maybe work his way into the second or first round conversation. If you could have fixed a few things, he just hasn't quite done that so far. And I'm wondering if that just might be just who he is at this point where we have so much film on him at this point in Cincinnati that um, he just might not be that type of player or might not just might not be that type of guy uh, going into this process. Yeah, see, Desmond Ritter's interesting because he reminds reminds me a lot of Kellen Mann, who got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings last year in the sense that you had a player that had all the tools. You could see the tools on tape. You saw he was the multi-year starter. Unfortunately, just could never put it all together and be consistent enough and really take the program from being a good program to a great program. And what I think is really interesting about Desmond Ritter is that when there was – talk about him possibly declaring for the 2021 NFL draft. There were some people that did have him as QB five. So there's certainly some people out there who do view him as having, or who did at one point view him as having the potential of being a first round pick, but this year you're right. I mean, we haven't really seen anything from Desmond Ritter that makes you think, okay, he's ready to separate himself from the pack. This is what he's cleaned up on. You're right. He does have accuracy issues. Multi-year starters in college shouldn't very rarely have issues reading college defenses, but it seems like it's something that Ritter struggles with tremendously now in terms of his ceiling i do think that he's going to be a day three prospect going into the 2022 nfl draft and he is going to be someone that can just develop into a solid backup player for a good nfl team if he lands in the right situation yeah i think he's going to be one of those players where uh certainly situation is going to play key for him and again he does have some physical ability to work with here uh, but again, he's going to have to put it together, I think. And he's got some time Cincinnati. Again, they, they are a good program. Um, they, they put him in good situations to succeed. I think they're uh, just a matter of whether he can improve over the course of the last, you know, back half of the season. And we'll see how he does going forward here. Uh, moving on to our final little topic here for not our final topic for college football, but one more thing to talk about here before we get into previewing this upcoming weekend slate of games. I want to go over who our Heisman favorites are so far this year. And you say, I'll start with you. Uh, who right now is, I wouldn't say your front runner for being Heisman, but who is one player you're keeping your eye on this year for getting in that Heisman conversation and that you think has a legitimate chance of winning it this year? Yeah, well, I think it's the guy that everyone seems to talk about and the juggernaut that just keeps on chugging forward. But it's going to be Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. I mean, very rarely do we see first-year starters as quarterbacks come in and take over. I think what's intriguing about Bryce Young is they – he is the next guy in line from Alabama to be QB. That's going to go on to the league and have a really successful career. Yeah. I know I'm sitting here talking like Alabama's QB. Well, guess what? Two of the last starting quarterbacks to come out of Tuscaloosa have basically been top 15 draft picks. That's been two attack by top by pick. And then Mac Jones too. So ultimately you look at, I mean, Bryce Young being just 19 years old, to see what he's already done, you could argue this right now that as a first-year starter, Bryce is actually ahead of where Mac Jones and Tua Tagovailoa were just six or seven games into the season. Yeah, Bryce Young's been very impressive so far to start off his college career. And, you know, he was someone that always 
you look at him and his trajectory here, you know, has a lot of physical talent to work with here. Certainly Alabama has a lot of talent around him to kind of emphasize what he has. And you look at his numbers so far this year, certainly looks like a type of campaign so far uh, where you think he'd be in that running for, um, you know, the Heisman going forward here. And look at what he's got going on so far, 73% completion percentage, 1,365 yards, 9.2 yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, just playing very efficiently in Alabama. They have a lot of talent to work with right there. And, and he's taking advantage of it. So good on, good for him. Uh, he's having a really impressive start to his college football career. And, uh, yeah, I think with Alabama being the number one team in the nation, he's definitely going to have his name in the running there um, all season long. Seems like if he can keep up this level's, level of play. As for my guy here, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with who is, in my opinion, the best running back in all college football, and that's B. John Robinson out of Texas. B. John Robinson – uh, he was a guy who was on my radar last year as a freshman at Texas had, you know, played more of a part-time role at Texas, but he is, man, this, this guy is very fun to watch and he is, he's amazing. And he, he's one of those players who um, can contribute in all three aspects of the game of, of the game in terms of, you know, he's a dominant runner in terms of, he's a dominant runner. Um, he can break tackles. He can make guys mess. He has explosive speed. Uh, in the open field to get big plays and explosive runs uh, when he gets that opportunity. You know, he's a solid receiver out of the backfield. And then he, he can also contribute as a return man as well if you need him to. Uh, he has been awesome so far this year. He's gotten the full-time lead back role at Texas uh, with Steve Sarkeesian's offense here. And he's taken off so far. Um, 105 carries, already more than what he had last year in nine games. Um, he was averaging 6.2 yards per carry. He's got seven touchdowns. And then he's also, again, proving that he has some dynamic ability in the receiving game as well. Ten receptions for 167 yards and two touchdowns there. Uh, he's been phenomenal so far. And that Texas offense really runs through him. And I think if he can continue to be that guy for them uh, moving forward here, he, he's going to put up huge numbers. And, you know, I'm not sure if Texas is going to be a team that's going to win enough and be in the college football playoff conversation enough to really make him the Heisman favorite when it's all said and done. But I think he's got special abilities as a running back, and I'm really excited to see what he does this year because for the rest of this year, I should say, uh, because, man, he, he is just so explosive, and, um, and he's going to put up big numbers as a result. Yeah, Bijan Robinson, and again, looking forward to the um, Oklahoma-Texas showdown here. Bijan Robinson, I think, is going to be really interesting because he's only 19 years old. Yeah, so he's technically not draft eligible for another year or two. But I do think when his time to be drafted, I think in 2023 or 2024, eventually comes around, you are going to see Bijan Robinson being talked about as one of the better running back prospects out there. I also think we you have to keep this in mind, right? Is that this is Bijan Robinson's a big play threat on any play you give him the ball, you're going to have to, as a defensive coordinator account for him. This is just the way the NFL is going where it's just like the more explosive you are and the better coupled with the good football skills that you have, the more opportunities you're going to see out there on the field. So really Bijan Robinson, when you're looking at him, he is someone that is just like a modern day NFL skill position playmaker. And so what he does this weekend against Oklahoma, which surprisingly seems to have a really improved defense, even though they don't play defense much in the big 12 um, or they traditionally have. And I think is going to be key as we continue to watch him grow and develop over the next couple seasons. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, well, you know me, you said I'm not a huge uh, running backs mattering type of guy. Uh, certainly, they matter a lot more in college football. Um, but when you do have a special running back like this, uh, it, you have to pay attention to him because uh, he, he has certainly game-changing dynamic ability. And, again, I'm not sure, you know, in terms of his draft prospects, you know, whether he's going to be a guy I wanted to pick in the first round because I'm not sure if there's any running back I want to pick in the first round. But uh, B. John Robinson, it wouldn't be surprised me if – we're getting to that point where he, he declares for the draft eventually. If I end up having to go back and forth on whether I consider him in that type of conversation, but you bring up uh, Oklahoma and Texas here, the red, the red river rivalry um, to talk about here. And that really leads us into really the final portion of this podcast here before uh, we wrap it up here. And that's previewing uh, these upcoming weekend slate of games, not only for college football, but also for the bears as well. So, We'll stick to college football right now and go to this Oklahoma-Texas game because this is the biggest game of the weekend, in my opinion, between Oklahoma and Texas. It's you know, clearly the biggest rivalry game of the weekend here. You know, two teams that um, – big programs here. And, you know, we'll see how this game shapes up because there is a lot of talent and a lot of star power in this game here. We talk about Bijan Robinson on Texas uh, being a Heisman hopeful. Oklahoma's uh, – Spencer Rattler, though, you know, he's had a slow start so far this year, but he also has, you know, he's had the throne here as well to be a Heisman uh, hopeful as well, because, you know, again, he struggled the first couple of weeks of the year, but I thought he really turned it around this past week uh, against Kansas State and he looked pretty good. And, you know, Spencer Rattler has a ton of talent here to work with. And I'm excited to see the showdown between Lincoln Riley's offense and Steve Sarkeesian's offense here, uh, the two coaches for these two programs, because, uh, you know, Oklahoma, they've struggled a little bit offensively to start the year. They haven't quite been as explosive and as dominant as I thought they would be. Um, but I think they definitely have the talent to be really, really damn good if they can get it all together here. And this is a huge sta- stage for them to do that. And, and speaking of huge stages, uh, Steve Skarkeesian has a chance in his first year as, as the head coach for uh, Texas here to get a big win here against Oklahoma, a, a top 10 program here. So, there's a lot on the line in this game this, for this game this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun game to watch. I mean, these big college football rivalries, I should say, they're always fun to watch. But this Oklahoma-Texas game, I think that this year there's certainly a different different dynamic around it in the sense that, okay, Sam Ellinger kind of made the jump to the NFL. And then you have Spencer Rattler, too, who's um looking to eventually make the jump and hopefully Spencer Rattler. I think that when we talk about games that can stabilize or a player's career or kind of games where a player can kind of find some sort of rhythm that carries throughout the rest of the season, this is going to be the game for Spencer Rattler. All right. He's played in the red river rivalry, I think once or twice before. So this one's going to be a bit different for him though, because this one, unlike the past couple seasons, his every single move is going to be under the, um, it's going to be under their microscope. And then you just look at the rest of the Oklahoma offense. Hey, can they find some sort of rhythm and get clicking? And then for defense, I'm sorry, for Texas, right? Hey, Steve Sarkeesian, 
it's like you mentioned, can you get your first ever win against a super big time school like OU? Because I think that this is going to be one of those where Steve Sarkeesian, I think it's like 41 or 42. Lincoln Riley's much younger than a lot of people expect that. I think he's like 37, 38 years old. So this is going to be one of those that's, we know it's already as big as it is, but it's going to get even bigger with Sarkeesian and Lincoln Riley going head to head for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun with those two programs, uh, you know, leaving for the SEC soon as well. Uh, they're going to be going up against each other many, many times in, in the future, you'd think. And uh, certainly should be a fun battle to watch this upcoming Saturday. That game starts at 11 o'clock Central Time for our, our college football viewers there. Uh, in terms of a game that you're looking forward to seeing, uh, what game intrigues you this weekend as well? Yeah, well, I'm going to go Penn State versus Iowa. You look at these two teams, I mean, I think that they're really evenly matched number one. They've also had really solid starts to the season. I mean, Iowa and Penn State are both sitting here at 5-0. and oh. You look at Penn State, I mean, hey, they came up with some really tough wins because they beat Wisconsin, absolutely beat Ball State, then had a nice win against Auburn at home and then beat Villanova last week and then absolutely shut out Indiana. And let's keep something in mind. Indiana had one of the best defenses in the country a year ago. And so Tom Allen, I don't know what happened in this game against Penn state, but obviously Tom Allen let and his, that whole unit led up 24 points. And then you look at Iowa here. I mean, Iowa, you think that is in the same boat. So they beat Indiana. They beat Iowa State. Certainly ran over Kent State. And then beat Colorado State. And then beat Maryland, too. And now this Penn State game is probably is actually the biggest game on their schedule since the Iowa-Iowa State game and that week one game. And so really both of the teams here are going to, I think, use this game to make a serious push for um, – potentially being in the college football playoff because when we look at after this game which is at 3 p.m central time by the way you iowa you've got purdue wisconsin northwestern minnesota illinois nebraska right and then for a team like penn state after iowa you have illinois ohio state maryland michigan Rutgers, and michigan state so i'd say iowa has certainly the tougher remaining schedule but there's certainly a lot of potential here for both of these guys to win on Saturday and then vault into college football playoff conversation with Clemson continuing to basically slip out. Yeah, this one's going to be a fun game as well. You know, it's a classic bent big 10 showdown between these two teams, number three, and number four teams in the nation right here. So I, I, like you said, this game is going to be very, very important in terms of who is going to be making the college football play. If you think down the road here, uh, Iowa has been really dominant on defense so far this year, but uh, you know, James Franklin and his tenure at Penn state uh, against Iowa has been four and one against Iowa so far. So Penn state has had Iowa's number in the past here, and we'll see if that turns out to be the case on Saturday as well, because it should be, that should be a really interesting game to watch. And I, I expect that to be a really tough physical defensive battle between two big time programs right here. And, you know, let the best man, man win, basically. So we'll see what happens in that game. Uh, again, should be a lot of fun college football to watch this weekend. Uh, speaking of some fun college, uh, some fun football to watch this weekend, let's get to our Bears-Raiders prediction here. You say to kind of end this podcast here, and I'm going to go to you first on this one. Uh, who do you think is winning this game this weekend in this Bears-Raiders game, and who's going to be the X factor for you here? 
So my X factor is actually going to be Brandon Staley because we have to keep something in mind is that, I'm sorry, it's going to be the defense and Sean decide. The reason I brought up Brandon Staley is because when we look at the Bears from the 2018 team that did go 12 and four and had statistically speaking, one of the best units in the NFL. Something you have to keep in mind is that Brandon Staley and Sean Desai were both on that coaching staff. And so what Sean Desai needs to do is go ahead and copy Brandon Staley's game plan because they were very effective. The chargers on Monday night at just neutralizing the Raiders. They kind of got under Derek Carr's skin. Derek Carr admitted Joey Bosa got under his skin. And then all of a sudden, as soon as you kind of took the quarterback Derek Carr out of the game, it really limited what the Raiders offense was able to do. Now with the bears seemingly being inspired that Justin Fields is starting, I am going to say that it's going to be a much closer game than you project. I think Justin Fields continues to give you an opportunity to basically be in every single game. So I'm going to say the bears walk out of Vegas with a big road win and win 24 to 20. Yeah, I, I'm thinking similar to you, man. I, I think the Bears, they have a legitimate chance of, of getting into Las Vegas here and stealing a win. Uh, Las Vegas, I think they are the better team at this point because, you know, that offense is really explosive. You know, Derek Carr has been awesome this year. They have Darren Waller. Uh, Henry Ruggs has been good in his second year. Brian Edwards has really shown up, I think, as a legitimate number two often, uh, wide receiver in that offense. And then Hunter Renfro, what a stud in the slot he's been for the Raiders here. But the Bears do have some matchups to exploit. Um, First of all, being the fact that the Raiders have really struggled in the offensive line this year. Um, you know, they, they overhauled that unit over the offseason. They just really haven't put it together so far. And there are even some rumors now that, you know, Ricky Wright tackle for them, the first-round pick, Alex Leatherwood, he might be kicking inside the guard because he's struggled so much at that right tackle position. Um, and for me, you know, it's going to be huge because I think the offense, I think they're going to be able to build off of what they were able to do Last week, they are facing a tougher defense here in the Raiders who have been surprisingly good on that side of the ball to start the year. Uh, Max Crosby and uh, Yannick Ngakwe have both been excellent pass rushers so far for this Raiders pass rush, although they have gone up against some weak offensive lines that probably are, have boosted them up a little bit. But, I mean, the Bears, they don't have a good offensive line either, so it, it works out for them either way. But I think the Bears offense is going to see a little bit of a spark in this one. You know, the Raiders, they have a ton of injuries in the secondary right now. And I think the Bears are going to be able to exploit that and put up some points on the board. Uh, you know, it really comes down to can the Bears defense make enough plays and slow down this Raiders offense just enough? And I think I, they can do that. And for me, the X factor is going to be Khalil Mack in this one. You know, Khalil Mack, you know, the first time these two teams met in London, in that game in London, you know, did not have the best game uh, for Khalil Mack's standards. And he's been dealing with a foot injury over the past couple of weeks and hasn't quite looked like himself so far this year, even though he's, he's been productive with four sacks and um, has been, been disruptive. Uh, but, you know, the Bears, over the past couple of weeks, they've limited his snaps a little bit. He hasn't quite as had um, as many reps out there in the, in the passing game to really get after the quarterback. And I, I think he's going to come into this game motivated to have a revenge game uh, in this one for the team that traded him away. I think he's going to want to stick it to John Gruden in their new stadium here in Las Vegas and have a big showing. So, uh, I think the Bears are going to win this game 30-27. to 27. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game in this one. I think uh, Justin Fields is going to hit, you know, three or four deep shots in this one and create some explosive plays for this offense and continue that trend uh, for this offense moving forward here. And I think Cleveland Mack is going to make a key play here down the stretch of this game at some point that's going to turn the tide of this game and help the Bears secure a win here. Um, but it's going to be a close one. Like I said before, 30-27. to 27. 
Uh, we'll see what ends up happening there in this game. It's it's going to be exciting because, you know, Justin Fields being the starter now going forward here, there's no going back and forth. Um, I, I'm just really looking forward to the Justin Fields era and what the Bears can do to build around this going forward. It's, it's going to be a really exciting weekend, not only with college football, but the Bears as well. Um, lots of stuff to look forward to coming up here this weekend. All right, you say it's going to wrap. That's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picture Face podcast. I want to thank our listeners once again for tuning in on all podcasting pl- platforms. Make sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Picks for Pace, where we're going to be having updates this weekend for college football in terms of what to look out for from some of these prospects this weekend. Uh, you said, where can our listeners follow you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Go ahead and read my work on the Bear Report as well. Interact with us on the boards, guys. I'm dropping about two articles a week. So a article that's going to drop immediately after the game and then an article on either Wednesday or Thursday previewing the following week's game. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give Usaid a follow and check out some of his work for us at the Bear Report. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25, and you can find my work at the Bear Report as well. I just recently today had my latest Tracking the Trenches uh, article released in the in that latest series there, um, where I basically go over pass rushing and pass protection for the Bears. Uh, every single week, um, they had a much better game uh, against the uh, Detroit Lions than they did against the Cleveland Browns, obviously, especially in the offensive line. So if you're in uh, getting a little bit nerdy into stats and offensive line, defensive line play, definitely go check that out. And then make sure uh, if you're a fan of film reviews and, and watching film breakdowns to check out our YouTube channel, um, the bear report on YouTube, where I'm going to be doing another film breakdown of this bears uh, Detroit lions game. Uh, going to have that up in the next day or two, depending on when this podcast drops, um, but going to be breaking down some of the key plays from the Detroit lions game and what bears were able to do to help them win that game as opposed to last week against the Browns um, being doing these film reviews every single week. I have a lot of fun putting them together. So uh, if you're a fan of that stuff, definitely go check that out. Uh, all right. That's going to wrap it up for us here. Uh, I feel like I'm rambling on a little bit, but we're going to close out here by saying that, you know, hope that everyone has a safe and fun weekend, a lot of college football and a lot of, you know, intriguing football with the bears here to look forward to. It should be fun. Bear down bears fans. Have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.